Hey friends, I want you to lean in for the next minute because I want to give you something that will not only help your church grow, but build more momentum this coming fall. As more and more churches are looking to gather again in person and seeing diminished numbers, why not kick off that momentum again with a 40-day church-wide challenge? Our friends at the Red Letter Challenge have become the 40-day church challenge experts. Not only is this an amazing 40-day church series, but they've created all kinds of unique daily challenges as well for everyone in your church to complete. It's fun, it's amazing, and many people take steps towards Jesus. The outcome on this has been amazing. A jump in a church attendance, a jump in small group attendance, a jump in volunteer uh, engagement, so many things. Listen, they've got two challenges, two flavors. Their original red letter challenge, which helps people become greater followers of Jesus by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. But they've also got a brand new challenge called the Being Challenge, which will help everyone in your church grow in their relationship with God by practicing the habits of Jesus. Listen, more great news. If you are a pastor and you haven't seen this yet, they're going to mail you a free workbook with absolute no strings attached. All you need to do is go to Red Letter Challenge forward slash church or by emailing hello at redletterchallenge.com. Again, you can get a free uh, sample by just going to redletterchallenge.com forward slash church today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. I'm super excited about today's conversation. Uh, you know, here every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And this week is absolutely no exception to that. Super excited to have Pastor Jeanette Cochran with us. She's executive pastor at a fantastic church, Seneca Creek Community Church, uh, located in Maryland, fantastic part of the world. Uh, this is a, a just a really great church. It's been doing all kinds of great things. I love um, they they really serve their community through uh, a care hub. They've been doing all kinds of amazing stuff over this last year uh, with COVID nineteen and beyond that. But there's been a whole bunch of different uh, reasons why I think you should be leaning in and listening to today's conversation. But uh, Jeanette, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Rich, and I appreciate the invitation. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm honored that you would take some time out. I know you've got a lot going on. So the fact that you'd spend some time with us today uh, is, is wonderful. So why don't you tell us about your role? We were joking beforehand, the executive pastor role looks a little different in every church. So kind of tell us a, a little bit about kind of how, uh, how you position that at uh, Seneca Creek. Yeah, so I am a part of Seneca Creek Community Church. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-racial church. Mm -hmm. Diversity is a high value for us. And I guess I want to say even beyond diversity, diversity is just the, the first level of are there, mm. are there people that look different around the table, but we want to go even further where we are embracing all people. We are inviting all people into, um, positions of leadership and, and hearing their voices. And so that's one thing that's pretty unique about our church is we, we have about 49 different languages that are spoken in our congregation alone. 
And so we try to engage the whole body of Christ and Mm -hmm. our community, I want to say, is incredibly diverse. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons that we are as diverse as we are. Not everyone is in a community with as much diversity as we have. And we're very uh, passionate about reaching our community. And so God has uh, helped us to do that. And so our church looks like our community. I have been the executive pastor here since... Oh boy, I guess it was about 2007 that I transitioned okay, into the executive pastor role. <laughs> Previous to that, I was children's pastor, which is okay. uh, ironically for women executive pastors, that's not uncommon, I'm finding, mm. to, to begin in children's ministry and move up. And I think that's in part because much like my story, as our church began to grow, our children's ministry was like a little microcosm of a, of a church. I was mm. like leading a small church inside of our church. Absolutely. And um, our board began to recognize some of my leadership qualities. And we needed a an executive pastor that understood our church, that was aligned with our mission, vision, and values. And so they asked me to step into that role. So I've been doing that since about 2007 and mm. have loved every minute of it. Okay, so I, uh, listeners, uh, who, you know, if you've listened to Unseminary for a while, um, one of the things that you might have picked up on is over the years, we've tried to feature uh, female leaders. We've tried to female, uh, to, to focus on and really highlight uh, just leaders that are doing an incredible job. And one of the things I've tried to do is go out there and actually find, proactively find uh, women leaders. Now, the conversation I have offline is, Hey, I don't really want you to come on and talk about the fact that you're a woman leader. I just want you to come on and talk about the fact that you're a leader uh, out of respect for women and just the incredible work uh, and place that uh, that they have in the church. And frankly, from a bit of a reforming point of view, I'm trying to model uh, something that I really hope should be modeled uh, in so many churches today. But one of the things that I, I really respect about you, Jeanette, is you said, hey, I'd, I'd love to actually talk about that issue, about uh, what it's like to be an executive pastor who is also also a woman, uh, which I frankly don't run across all the time. It's, uh, you know, it's not the, it's not, um, it's not like, Hey, like super rare, but it's not the kind of thing that I, I bump into all the time. So I'd actually love to talk a little a bit about this friends. You might be listening in today. And frankly, I do think that this is a significant issue in the church today. This is, um, there are too many churches that are dragging their feet on this particular issue. And uh, frankly, women have been sidelined, overlooked, uh, and in some cases, uh, actually deliberately silenced. And your church is missing out. I think your church is missing out, friends. And so uh, I, I want to have this conversation with Jeanette. Want to hear you out uh, on this issue? But what? Uh, let's let, let's start there. What has your experience been like as a woman, a woman in leadership uh, in a church uh, that values the Bible and values you know seeing the message of Jesus uh, ex- expanded? Uh, tell us kind of what your experience has been like, and then let's uh, let's talk through what this uh, you know how we should be thinking about and wrestling with this. As as leaders today. Yes. Thank you for that. So I do want to say, I feel like things are getting better. Thank yeah. God. But I've been in ministry and I've been a pastor for quite some time. And so in my early days, it was pretty lonely. Mm-hmm. Rarely when I stepped into leadership rooms, were there any other women present? Mm-hmm. And uh, and quite honestly, Rich, sometimes in those rooms, I I could tell that men felt very awkward even engaging with me or just didn't even know uh, mm-hmm. how to engage with me, which was um, 
just, it was interesting because I just wanted to say, Hey, I'm a leader. Just, you know, just be yourself. Um, I can talk strategically. I, I have the same goals and challenges at my church that you probably, uh, have. And so, yeah, so I, I really have a passion now and, and early on in my pastoral leadership, I, when God called me and opened doors for me, it was really clear to me that this opportunity was not just for me to be able to express my gifts uh, for God's glory, but also to be a voice for women who are in communities where they are not given opportunity to fully be who they are, to fully express their gifts. And I hear from women all the time who mm-hmm. are suffering because their passions and their callings are not valued in the communities with the people that they love the most. And, mm-hmm. and so not only do they lose out, but the body of Christ loses out so because true. really the church can never reach her full potential until men and women are, are leading together in relationships of trust and honor because we know that God created humanity, male and female, that both man, men and women bear the image of God. And so when our churches only have men leading them, I think it's mm. it's safe to say that we've cut out half of the image of God in mm-hmm. our churches. And so we are missing a lot. And mm-hmm. so I am passionate about not only just stepping in and living out my calling, which I'm so grateful for my church and my community that has allowed me to do that. And I don't even want to say allowed me. They celebrate me. They right, appreciate right. me. Uh, but I want to be able to bring those ideas to all the other churches and to encourage women who have gifts to help them find a place where they can utilize those gifts. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I think on the the theological, the biblical, scriptural, you know, conversation, I, I know for me one of the there was a church I, I've served in in the past where when I started there, um, they held a a view of scripture that didn't include women in the senior leadership roles, and that was in conflict to my own reading of the New Testament and. Uh, that put me in an interesting spot because as a leader, I was like, oh, wait a second. Do I want to serve in a church where uh, there's an issue here that I, I don't align with? I know for me, and there's probably folks that are listening in and say, wow, this is uh, what a compromise. I, I said, listen, I'm willing to serve here as long as we're willing to keep this as an open discussion. If you're saying that we'll never talk about this issue, I'm not sure I can serve here. But if you're willing to say, we'll talk about it, I'm willing to say I'm not going to hammer at every meeting. I'm not going to like open up every conversation, but it's going to come up. We're going to talk about it. Then actually I'm, you know, super proud over the years uh, that church has uh, actually come a long ways to the point where they have, you know, women on their senior leadership team and it's uh, you know huge changes in, you know, in that. But how, what would you say to, to leaders who are within a church today who are, um, you know, are thinking on that that level around the scriptural issues. Uh, you know, h- how how would you give some guidance to us? How should we be thinking about that um, in this in this moment? Yes, I'm so grateful that you mentioned that because I do think that that is an essential quality in a healthy church is that mm-hmm. the leaders remain in a humble posture of a learner. And we know when we look back to history, we know that the church has not always gotten it right. Right. We know, you know, you could look at uh, racial inequalities and we know that our churches at one time, well-meaning Christians tried to argue from scripture that um, God was for slavery. 
Yes. No, I don't know any church that's arguing that today. And that's in large part because Christians were willing to continue to be open to say, um, with the attitude of a humble learner, God show me. So I, I think I would, I would echo what you've said. And I would ask leaders who or are leading right now at the highest levels of churches, are you open? Are you mm-hmm. open to hearing the voices of others? And, and not only on the issue between uh, you know women and leadership, but lots of different issues that we would just right. continue to remain open. I know my theology and my understanding has certainly grown and changed over the years. I was raised in a very conservative, traditional church, um, never aspired to be a pastor. Right. <laughs> but God worked in my life and I came to realize I and I had to go back and, and look mm-hmm. at the scriptures to, to understand and is what I'm stepping into and what I'm hearing actually uh, consistent with scripture. And mm-hmm. and so I have changed as I've begun to understand more of the context and to dig into the original languages and to look at the mm-hmm. scriptures as a whole. And so the church has continued to grow and to change. And so I think being open, having an attitude of a humble learner is so important. That's just, that's the, the leadership model that Jesus has given us, right? That, that leaders uh, yeah, so would true. be listeners and learners. Yeah. And we want to, uh, position ourselves like what a much more vibrant faith to say uh hey i it's not like i know it all today i am i am growing and changing and um and i you know believe god's got us on a journey and and as opposed to like hey no we're we're kind of in this box in all our areas obviously in this area but in 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 general um so obviously there's a lot we could talk on that uh and we could take more than our you know 30 minute conversation here uh on that issue uh and 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 we can maybe come back to this but um i i'd love to talk about from your perspective how can churches um be more intentional on really including drawing in uh, women leaders. Let's assume that the folks that are listening in are saying, "Hey, I, I, we want to do a better job on this. We want to." Um, I, there's the, probably folks who uh, weren't convinced of this have turned off already <laughs> and have left. So let's assume that there's folks that are they're saying, "Hey, we want to do a better job on this." What what should we be doing to try to inc- include women more, um, from your perspective? Yes, and I, I want to underscore that. Holding an egalitarian theological position is just the beginning because we have, we have been operating in structures and with viewpoints and we have, we have unconscious biases that need to be exposed. There's so much more work that has to be done. Coming to that understanding of saying, Hey, we want to be more inclusive. We actually want women in leadership is the very beginning. And so beyond that, I would say one of the first things is a, a commitment to shared leadership of men and women. And so that means actually looking around the table to say, do we have diversity here? And as I, as I said earlier on, I'm passionate about diversity, even beyond men and women, I think Mm -hmm. also diversity of race, diversity Mm -hmm. of experience. And so do Mm -hmm. we, do we have the voices here that we need? And it's Mm -hmm. interesting because, um, there are lots of studies out there that show that boards and senior leadership teams that have women sitting around the table actually make better decisions. And so if, and what church doesn't want to make better decisions? We've got a lot of of challenges that we're trying to understand and and face today. And so having more women's voices around the table can only be a positive thing. So asking that question, I think also, 
beginning to unearth some of those biases and some of those stereotype types that we don't even realize that are there. And that requires a commitment to conversation, a commitment to being willing to have those hard conversations. And so creating safe spaces where we can be honest with one another and, mm-hmm. um, and that leaders have an openness to really want to hear the experiences of women leaders without becoming defensive to just, just just hear us out and help us to begin to unearth some of the the things that are underneath so that we can understand one another better and we can work together better. Yeah. Maybe talk about what you're doing at your church to help unearth some of those conversations to kind of keep, um, obviously, you know, you've, uh, have a value on diversity and you've, I'm assuming that that's been a, a journey, not a, like you didn't arrive and there it is. It's like, it takes a while to kind of journey towards that. How do we, how do we help our teams uproot, you know, unconscious bias? You know, we, h- how do we help the people that are, uh, in our communities, in our leadership structures, um, even to become aware of the, you know, the issue. Uh, well, what have you seen has been effective uh, around your tables? I think building trust is the beginning, mm. and mm. and be verbalizing to women that you want to hear and that you are open to their feedback, mm-hmm. because we as women are we're socialized in many ways to avoid conflict to be mm-hmm. people pleasers to minimize ourselves and uh, especially in christian circles that's valued you know quiet submissive humble women are really valued in mm-hmm. leader uh, in christian circles and that's not to say that I don't value humility or a mutual submission. But what you realize is then for women who have leadership gifts, and when we look at what we appreciate in male leaders, it's often very different than what we really appreciate and celebrate in a lot of our women. And so creating a space where we acknowledge that and where we let women know that we are open to hearing their challenges, to hearing their pushback, that we're, we're not going um, to ignore them or that there aren't going to be ramifications for speaking up. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, obviously, I know for us as women, um, we've got to do our homework before we come to the table and we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to put ourselves out there. So I think it takes mm-hmm. vulnerability but between mm-hmm. both, between men and women, that we're willing to work through those hard conversations and that the relationships matter enough that we're going to honor and respect one another, even if at the end of the conversation, we don't fully agree, but that we reset respect what each other is saying and where, where they're coming from, I think is really important. And um, just building that relationship, I think is, is, is foundational and is key. Uh Absolutely. You know, I can say as, um, you know, as a leader who uh, has tried to create a space for, uh, in this particular context, you know, women at the table, I, I um, years ago, remember Andy Stanley, uh, and it's, it's just resonated in my brain, you know, Andy Stanley, a pastor from North Point said, you know, what are you going to do when you realize you're the most powerful person in the room? And as people who lead, um, it is, I think it is a part of our job to create opportunity, to open up space where there isn't 
where there isn't some. I think that just if if we've been given some um, some privilege and some um, insight um, opportunity, I think our job is to try to pass that uh, along to others. I, I, to put it in to speak in the immediate context of this podcast, I didn't tell you this before we started, but like if we go out and ask, so we, we pursue leaders, we, you know, we pursued Jeanette and said, Hey, we would love to have you on. We heard uh, her speak at a, a conference, online conference. I'm like, man, I'd love to get Jeanette on. If, if I go and ask 10 male leaders to be on a podcast, nine out of 10 will say yes. If I ask 10 women to be on a podcast, seven out of 10 will say yes. Uh, there's a much higher no rate from women than we get from men. And um, now what does that mean? For me as a leader, that means I have to keep asking. We have to keep pursuing and creating opportunity. But there's, to your point, uh, there's there's the other side of the equation. There's the the glass ceiling and the sticky floor, right? There's the how, how do we, and, and this is not a blame statement. This is a, I want to encourage women who are listening in today to say, hey, you, like you said, come to the meeting prepared and lean in and actually, um, you know, when there's an, when, when an opportunity create, creates itself or opens up uh, to, to lean in on that, how in your leadership over the years within your church. So even to hear your story, uh, my experience with, with leaders in kids ministry is, and I've said this so many times on the podcast, they're the most creative people in the church. 50% of our, most churches, 50% of the volunteers in a church are, uh, are within uh, kids ministry for years. I've said, I said it in that church I was talking about, I was like, the, the woman who is leading our kids ministry, I'm like, you know, she has the, she has the biggest pastoral influence on our church. She leads the largest ministry. Uh, wh- how did that journey go for you? How did, when those opportunities opened up, what did that look like for you to kind of, um, to kind of take those steps to ultimately where you are today? Is there anything we could learn from that process? Yes. Well, I want to say instrumental for me was the lead pastor, the lead and founding pastor of our church was uh, very much an ally for women and was very aware of making sure that women were around the leadership tables. And quite honestly, he invested in me and believed in me just the same as he did for the men on our team. And so uh, that gave me confidence that the, just the time that he took to invest in my leadership and to send the messages that my leadership was needed and wanted to be there at the table. So I would say certainly um, men can help women along that path by just believing in them. And, you know, so it, it may be sending them to conferences. It may be uh, challenging them to read certain books and having conversations about those books. I would also suggest that I do think that women can really benefit from individual coaching that is tailored to, to where they're at. I mean, honestly, all of us can, right? Because each yeah, of us absolutely. as leaders is unique. And so individual coaching, which I have partaken of a lot, and now I do some myself for other women leaders, really allows us to look inside and identify where we're holding ourselves back. Because there are structural things outside of ourselves that we need to address. But many times for women, there are also things internally where we hold ourselves back and we don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And some of the challenges that women face really are different than men. I'm, I'm reminded of there's a, a great book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Oh, um, it's a book. And what they realized when they wrote that book, uh, I think it's Daniel Goldman. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Sally H- Hagelson. I'm, I apologize if I got if I got that that author wrong. But what they realized when they wrote that book, they were addressing what are those habits and challenges that keep middle managers stuck in middle mm. management and unable to move up to higher levels of leadership. And as they did the research, they realized that there were some unique differences between the men and the women middle managers. The habits that were holding them back were not all the same. And so they wrote a follow-up book called How Women Rise, Addressing 12 Habits That Tend to Hold Women Back, and They're Different. And several of those habits have to do with internal confidence. Mm. And what they found actually at middle management, oftentimes men are overconfident, and that's what keeps them stuck. And women don't have enough confidence, and so that keeps them stuck. And so Definitely individual coaching, I think, can really help women unearth some of those things so that they can take those steps so that they can say yes when they're invited to that podcast uh, or mm-hmm. that speaking engagement and understand mm-hmm. what's holding them back. Yeah. And uh, you actually do some of that work with people, right? Like if there, if there are leaders that you're, you know, you've, I'm assuming in your own, in your own church or in other contexts who may be like looking, Hey, I need some help um, with this kind of thing. What have you found is that your kind of go-to advice as you're engaging with leaders, um, you know, around these issues to help them take those steps forward? Is there anything you find yourself kind of consistently going back to? Yes. Well, I think for for women leaders, oftentimes it's looking at what are the limiting beliefs that we're not recognizing that we have about ourselves. And um, also, what is that that internal voice that we're listening to? Because what women, and I think all people don't realize is we all have an internal critical voice, but we don't talk about that much especially women. We don't, we don't tell one another what that internal critic is what I like to call it, what it says to us. Cause it says some really pretty awful things. Right. And so one of the things that I, I try and help women recognize early on is we all have an internal critic and that mm-hmm. internal critic is actually a voice that is there to keep us safe. I mean, it has, it mm-hmm. has good intentions. It wants mm-hmm. to keep us where we are because it wants to keep us safe. And so whenever there's a sense of stepping out to become vulnerable or taking a risk, that voice is going to be get really loud. And so I have lots of strategies and tips that I give women for mm-hmm. really not allowing that voice to hold them back. So mm-hmm. we can't really silence the voice altogether. And we may not want to because as I said, at times it does keep us safe when there's a real threat, but we want to be able to hear that voice, but not necessarily let that voice call the shots because right. that voice doesn't want us to uh, experience meaningful and purposeful uh, mm-hmm. life and leadership. You know, that, that voice mm-hmm. is not there to help us change the world. It's help there to help us keep us safe. And so how do we Hear that voice, but not take direction from it is one of the, I want to say the main things and just recognizing that internal critic for what it is. And then that allows us when we can recognize that voice, we can acknowledge it and to some extent, turn it down and look for the other voices within us, mm. which often is the voice of God that is calling us forward to things mm. that are scary and that mm. do require us to take risks and mm. that are stretching because mm. That's the way God works. He doesn't give us what we need, you know, for the end goal. He's growing us along the path. And so the journey is about what God has for us to do, 
but the journey is also about God growing us. And so both are happening simultaneously. Yeah. I, I, a friend of mine says, uh, you know, in the way we speak to ourselves, we would never speak to other people that way. <laughs> like yeah. we, the, we say terrible things to ourselves that we would just never verbalize, or hopefully we don't verbalize uh, to other people. Jeanette, I, I hope, hopefully our relationship can sustain this. I know we just met each other, but I want to ask you a 2.0 question. So like a, 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 maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, in, intense question that might be in some of our listeners' uh, minds. You know, there's this whole Billy Graham rule thing that's out there. That uh, and I and I think because it's called the Billy Graham rule, it's like it sounds like oh well that should be good, but you know this idea that um, a uh, you know a male leader should not be alone or you know with a with another female as if like somehow the only thing that a male leader is thinking about is nefarious and dangerous. Um, I know one of the things that I think over the last, I don't know, 10 years of my leadership, as I reflect back, I'm in that weird middle zone. Like I'm not a young leader anymore, but I'm not an old leader. I'm just kind of in that weird middle zone. I realize when I look back in my early years of leadership, I benefited because I was a male leader. I, uh, there were uh, men who frankly invested in me. We, and it, it was all the sideline stuff. It was the jump in a car, go somewhere, grab a burger. It was, um, you know, there was early on, uh, there was a, a, a friend of mine who's become a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends who is, you know, he's 20 years, my senior. And I just reached out to him and I said, Hey, like I'm, I'm wrestling with some stuff at my church. And he said, why don't you come and hang out for a week? And I literally just like hung at his house for a week and like sat in on every meeting. And I, and I look back at that and I think, Oh, wait a second. If I was a young woman calling him, that wouldn't have happened. That would, that, the, that, and that, uh, there's like a conviction side of that for me. I'm like, oh gosh, like I, um, it's a part of the privilege that I have experienced in life. So how do we think differently or how should we be thinking differently, um, around those issues, uh, that I think are, we don't want to just ignore them, but we also, I, I, I don't want to over empower something that ultimately is going to damage particularly next generation, uh, you know, female leaders. Uh, how, how should we be thinking about, about those issues? Yes, that that's a, a, a huge challenge in many churches, and I agree. It's it's. I love Billy Graham. I think he he did a lot for the right. church. Uh, but we're we're recognizing that we didn't always get it right, and that right. yes, that Billy Graham role certainly does uh, put women at a disadvantage because so much happens on the fly, so much happens in relationship, and so I would say that. We need to have thoughtful boundaries, but the mm-hmm. but we don't want to view one another as enemies and as threat. And mm-hmm. so the Billy Graham rule, just to be quite honest, as a woman and what I hear from many women, that says to us we are a threat. And um, and quite honestly, we're we're not a threat. <laughs> we yes. we want to be an asset. We are an asset. And so it comes back to saying, how can we have some thoughtful boundaries? Because we, as women, we want boundaries too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to come to your house and hang out with you for a week. Um, right. And, you know, some of the stories we've heard recently, we don't want to be invited to your hotel room after yes. the conference yes. either. Right. 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 Um, Absolutely. No. And, and, and so we do need to have thoughtful boundaries, but I would say, you know, having a meal with a woman in public is completely appropriate. You're in a public restaurant. 
Right. right. So, so can we have um, meetings together? I will say in our church and, and some people don't like this. I have engaged this because this is where our pastors have landed. We don't have men and women riding alone together in a car. So mm-hmm. it is a little awkward at times, but it means sometimes um, Mark, the lead pastor and I will meet for lunch. We'll drive separately and we'll, right. you know, we'll come to the restaurant together separately, but we will have lunch together um, in our offices. We will have one on one meetings, but we intentionally installed door lights and windows. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. office has has a window, um, not only for our staff when they're meeting, but sometimes I meet with male church members and sometimes our lead pastor meets with female church members. And so we've tried to be thoughtful about it, but also recognizing, you know, if, if the Billy Graham rule in itself really address the deeper problem, we would not have seen the challenges that we are still facing in the church today. Right. Right. Because the problem is is an internal problem. And so the, bo- the bottom line is if we are not honoring and respecting one another, or if our motives are not right, we're going to, people are going to find a way, sin's going to happen. So the Billy Graham rule has not really helped us avoid what we think we're trying to avoid. Right. And and to your point, I think the other thing, the Billy Graham rule, the way it was designed, unintentionally views men and women from a, a sexualized lens that this is all that, you know, that we have to offer right. one another right. instead right. of a sibling lens the, mm-hmm. in the body, mm-hmm. body of Christ, we're to be family members, brothers and sisters mm-hmm. throughout scriptures. We're told to honor one another as brothers and sisters. And so starting, I think with that baseline um, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ and how would I treat my sister? How would I honor my brother and finding thoughtful boundaries that help both uh, folks feel safe and cared for. Yeah, that's so good. Appreciate that. That's, uh, that's a good word. And I, you know, I think we, um, you know, that I guess the challenge for leaders who are listening in is continue to, uh, you know, think in a, in a, in a thoughtful way, in a biblical way around how we can engage uh, all leaders uh, to be a part of our community, a part of what uh, God's doing at our church. I I really appreciate this uh, conversation today. Is there anything else you'd like to share uh, just before we wrap up today's uh, dialogue? I just want to say thank you for for inviting me. And I want to encourage those who are out there that want to have more leadership uh, represented by women leaders to just continue to, to do the work, that to, to be more intentional about it, to find ways to include women and to include them in your leadership development. And you may have to uh, even invest in individual coaching for women leaders that are on your staff if you see that they have that potential there. And And then lastly, I would say, look for the potential because studies also do show that oftentimes men are promoted based on potential, but women are promoted only based on performance. So they have to prove themselves before they can be promoted. So look, looking for that potential. And I'm so grateful for the men in my life and in ministry when I was a young woman, because if it was not for the men that had noticed I had potential and had called that out of me and had given me opportunity to do things that I never thought I could do. I remember the first time I preached, 
I was scared to death, but um, my lead pastor kept saying, you can do this. You can do this. Um, he was also going on a sabbatical and he needed to fill the pulpit. So that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that helped him. But, yes. but that was an opportunity where I realized, oh, I do have this gift because the community of believers responded and affirmed that teaching gift. So looking for ways to encourage women to just step out of their comfort zone and to recognize that potential is really essential. Jeanette, I've really appreciated you being on uh, the podcast today. If uh, people want to track with you or with the church, where do we want to send them online? Yes, you can find my website where I blog occasionally and I have resources and information about coaching at JeanetteCochran.com. And my church is SenecaCreek.org. So if you want to check us out and see what we're doing, or if you're ever in the the D.C. area, please come visit with us, worship with us at SenecaCreek.org. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being here today. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by Unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.